as we continue our series looking at the book of Mark, we are going to be looking at generations and how we can impact each other, all generations together. And so the brilliant news is that it's not just going to be me sharing this morning. Actually, we've got the privilege of a member of our youth team and our children's team who are going to be coming and sharing with us. And then a bit later on, we're going to be having all generations leading us. So as we think about the sort of makeup of our church family, uh, I thought it'd be really fun this morning to go through who is here from which generation. Now, in our 9.30 service, we covered all of the generations bar one. So we're going to see what we do this morning. Uh, So we're going to go through the names of the generations and the years that they cover. If that's you and you feel able, just put your hand in the air so we can welcome you. Uh, So the first generation that was given a name was called the greatest generation. I assume they named themselves. Um, And they are the people that were born in 1901 to 1927. Anyone here this morning? No, we didn't in the first service either, but I'm sure some were joining us at home. Okay, so the next generation were called the silent generation. These are the people born between 1928 and 1945. Oh, give him a round of applause. Well done, everybody. Thank you as well for not being silent, because you are a generation who impacts and inspires so many of us. So thank you, and thank you for being here. The next generation, the baby boomers. So these are the people who've paid their mortgages off and were born between 1946 and 1964. There they all are, waving happily away. Fantastic. Okay, the next generation, my generation, apparently we're really cynical. I don't know what they would get that from. Uh, born between Generation X, born between 1965 and 1980. Yeah, there we are. Glorious loads of us here this morning. Okay, the next one are the millennials. Now, my husband fits into this, of which he is devastated by. Uh, He felt he was much older, but he's not. He is a millennial. So the millennials are those born between 1981 and 1996. Put your hands up. Fantastic. Welcome. Wonderful. Thanks, Nathaniel, for whooping for the millennials. Okay, the next generation, Generation Z, Z, uh, between 1996 and 2012. Well done, you three. Doing it for... Oh, hang on, four. Well done, Ezra. And then the final generation, so those born between 2013 and those who will be born up until 2025. Well done, Faith. Good work for being here this morning. Fantastic. Brilliant. And just even doing that, it is so wonderful that we can celebrate and know that in our church family, we are all ages together. And it's together learning from one another that makes us a community that is flourishing and growing. Now, as we look at these final uh, few chapters of the book of Mark, so we're in the final six chapters, uh, things have kind of been ramping up a little bit, haven't they? So over the last two weeks, we've heard from Tim and from Judy that people were beginning to really properly understand who Jesus was and why he was here on this earth and what the impact of who he was and what he was doing was. We read in the chapters leading up to the verses that many stories of miracles and healings taken place of miraculous things that Jesus was doing here on this earth. And then we get to these verses that seem a little bit out of place in amongst kind of the rest of the story around them, where Jesus has just given some quite firm lifestyle teaching. And suddenly we have this moment where he's probably there teaching, and then suddenly all these children have been brought to him. People bring in their children saying, please pray for them, bless them. And the disciples suddenly stop the children coming and say, no, don't let the children come to Jesus. 
A little bit, your reaction to reading that might be the same reaction to the story that Tim shared a few weeks ago. If you were here, Tim shared a story that he was on a train, there was a child making some noise, and he told the child to shush. Now, my reaction was quite strong when Tim first told that story. Fortunately, he is much older and wiser now and would not do that again, so that's good. But it's that moment, isn't there, where we think, what are the disciples doing? Stopping the children coming to Jesus, because actually that's something we would probably celebrate nowadays. And we would say, wonderful that we've got Gen Z here, we've got our generation alpha here. But in the society in which Jesus lived, children were just socially powerless. They were almost unseen. They weren't seen as worthy human beings because the majority of them, or a big majority of them, didn't even live past the age of 12. So there wasn't the same celebration there is now when a baby was born because no one even knew really whether that baby would live beyond its teenage years. And so as the disciples are trying to stop the children coming to Jesus, they're trying to protect Jesus from these people, really, who just aren't important. You know, he's there as a son of God on earth. Why would he want to be bothered by these little small people coming towards him? But we read that Jesus' reaction in that moment was, let them come. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to the powerless. The kingdom of God belongs to those who feel unseen. The kingdom of God belongs to every generation, from the youngest to the eldest. The invitation into God's kingdom is there for all. Because God says, I love you, and my invitation is to you, whether you are the richest or the poorest, the eldest or the youngest. And then this passage ends by Jesus praying for and blessing the children, Jesus showing that actually his message of the kingdom of God, of the love that God has, is for everybody. That he wanted the children to know that God's love is for them, just as it was for all of the adults around him too. And that echoes verses that had already been written in the Old Testament. So we read in the book of Deuteronomy, right at the beginning of the Bible, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And then it goes on in the book of Psalms, which is kind of a a more poetic book right in the middle of the Old Testament. It says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. And what a beautiful example we saw of that this morning. The story of four people, four generations, impacting one another. Amanda, who was impacted on her first journey by others, went on to invest in a youth group, a life group, of which Ella was a part of. And then Ella sharing the story of how Amanda's investment in her helped grow her in her faith, her relationship with Jesus. So that Ella could then go on and work with our current youth group to share something of the love that she knows that Jesus has for her with them. So that then Amelie could grow up knowing from the investment that Ella had given her that Jesus loves her, she could begin her relationship with Jesus and ask Ella to baptise her on a really significant moment for her. So that Amelie could go on and support Lydia, who when she came along to react found it really hard to stay, but because someone walked alongside her, she was able to stay. And then Lydia sharing of the encouragement she has when she sees some of the older youth at the front doing actions in worship songs. One generation telling another generation to tell another generation to tell another generation so that all generations can know the love that Jesus has for them.
I don't know whether Amanda Smith and Lydia Wilson have ever had a conversation. Have you? Do you know Lydia? No. Amanda and Lydia don't really know each other. But because of what Amanda did, Lydia is growing up being encouraged in her relationship with Jesus. Because Amanda invested in someone who invested in someone who is investing in Lydia. What a beautiful example of how we can further God's kingdom and show one generation to another the difference that knowing God makes in our lives. I uh, heard someone, a speaker, uh, say uh, um, a few weeks ago at a conference that some of us were at, the following sentence I wrote down. I agree with it, but if I was saying it, I think I would quite heavily reword it. Because what they said was, intergenerational ministry, so all ages together, sharing the love of Jesus with one another, intergenerational ministry is a really important way to keep young people growing and resilient in their faith. That's true. But if I was writing that or I was speaking that, I think what I'd like to say is intergenerational ministry is a really important way to keep everybody growing and resilient in their faith. We need one another. We are family. We are community together. Our younger generation who were 18 and under when we went into the COVID lockdown years were in a time from the age of 0 to 18 where your brain is doing significant developmental work, where lots and lots of things are going on in kids' brains from the ages of 0 to 18. And so suddenly, when they had relationships taken away from them and their lives went online, their school went online, their youth work went online, their friendships went online, those massive things that were going on in their brains were interrupted heavily because they were no longer in personal relationships. That generation, we commend you for what you went through when you were at such a developmental stage in your life. That generation need relationships. They need the investment of older people who can love them, who can disciple them, who can show Jesus to them, who can pray for them. We have an epidemic rise of poor mental health in our children and young people that we have never seen before. They need us. They need the generations above them to show them just how loved they are, how much God loves them, and how much we are willing to commit and walk alongside them. But you know what? Us older generations, of which I include myself, we need the kids as well. We need the passion and the, young, the, passion and the inquisitiveness that the children and young people have on their faith journeys. Because as we get older, if you were like me, sometimes we can get quite weary in our faith. Sometimes we start questioning the things that we have always believed. And we kind of question, why do I believe that? What's going on? I don't understand. And we can get a little bit more apathetic or a little bit more cynical. We need the passion of children who come up the front without being asked and say, we're just going to do action songs because we love Jesus. We need that in our lives. We need the questions and the inquisitiveness of our young people to say, but why do we believe that? We need to be able to wrestle with them because as we do that, they will help grow us in our faith as well. Next summer, we have planned for our children and young people are going to be leading a mission out into the local old people's communities in our local area, where our children and our young people are going to go into elderly care homes. They are going to sing worship songs. They are going to be able to pray for some of our old people. They're going to write prayers for them. They're going to draw pictures. When we rang a few of the old people's homes and we said, look, we've got this idea. We would love for our young children and young people to come and really bless and invest in the old people in the care homes. The the people who I spoke to were almost in tears. What? Thank you. That would be amazing. Because intergenerational ministry and connection is so massively important 
it changes lives. And we can change one another's lives. I read a, a quote the other day, which I'm going to read, and then I'm going to invite Faith and Emmanuel, who are going to come and share uh, for us something of their faith this morning, which is absolutely amazing. We're so thankful to have you here. So Dr. Holly Allen, who wrote a book about intergenerational ministry, says this. Most churches and faith communities separate their ministries by age and generation. In some congregations, people may never interact with those of other ages, but it was not always so. Jesus modelled something very different with his young disciples. The church was not just multi-generational, it was intergenerational, with the whole church together as one family and people of all ages learning from one another in common life. And so we're going to put that into practice this morning because Faith and Emmanuel are going to come and uh, teach us. So come on up, guys. Let's give them another round of applause. So before you share with us, it would be lovely to get to know you a little bit more. So I know I've kind of given your names away, but just tell us what your names are and what things you're involved with at church, how long you've been part of Riverside. Um, I'm Faith and I'm Ted and I'm part of the children's group. I've been coming to Riverside all my life um, and I love coming with my family. Great, thanks Faith. I'm Emmanuel, I go to Rock Solid, which is the younger youth group, um, and I'm part of the Matilda play that's happening next year. Great. Well, I'm going to hand over to you guys, and you can uh, teach us all this morning, so thank you very much. I have found children's workers on Sunday and at Life Group have really helped me to understand the Bible, support me, and pray for me. I find it really encouraging to watch people's stories because it makes me know that I'm not the only one that struggles with things and has had ups and downs in their walk with God. This helps me to, this helps me to know God is always with us, whatever we are going through. A verse I like is the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Psalm 145 verse 8. I like this verse because when I'm angry, it reminds me what God would do and for me to do the same. Hello, everyone. Now, for all of you kids or even adults, have you ever had a time where you did something silly like eat the chocolate you knew your mum told you not to eat or bought a game on your dad's credit card without them knowing and thought your parents would never live it down? Well, trust me, it doesn't last forever. And when you grow up, you can laugh about it with them. Now, as most of you may know, we all follow a God of forgiveness, meaning God will still love us no matter how much we sin. And sin is when you do something that accepts Jesus or you turn your back on God and the things he wants for you. But what some people may not know is God also f uh, drives us to forgive others and do not hold grudges. In Matthew 6.14, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins. We are not perfect people and we have to remember that we are all made in the image of God and we are all called to be like him, meaning that we should be like him. Taking all of that in, it is best we forgive too. We should always acknowledge God forgives us as well. It says in Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Like your parents did, when you forgive, when you ate the forbidden sweet, and like Jesus does when you sin, they always forgive you. I hope I help someone today, and thank you all for listening. 
When I first heard what Faith and Emmanuel were going to talk about, it really massively impacted me. As a redhead, I've got a real temper on me, so what Faith shared about actually in those moments when you feel angry, what would God do was really helpful. And when Emmanuel shared about that sense of actually knowing that we are both forgiven, but God calls us to be people to forgive, what an important message that can impact each one of us as well. There was some research that was done by the Church of England in the UK. And whilst it is the Church of England, actually probably it would be similar for all denominations if we put everyone together of the Christian faith in this country. And this research was done off the back of COVID back in 2020. And they found that 68% of churches in the UK have fewer than five young people in their church. We need to be investing in other generations because otherwise there will be no more generations for us to invest into. We have a message of a God who loves us, who wants to be with us now, but wants to give us a future in eternity. So we need to tell the generations who will tell the generations who will tell the generations so that we can see God's kingdom come now, but forever. So let's be men and women who commit to saying... We want to see all generations get to know Jesus because that is a hope beyond any hope that we could have. So I'm just going to pray and then as we sing this song and particularly as we sing the words, I speak Jesus for my family. We are family together. The whole of Riverside. For those who are at the 9.30 service, for those who are at this service, for those who will be at 6.30, for those who joined us online at home, we are one family together.